Welcome to the 32nd International Documentary Film Festival Amsterdam. My name is Dana Linsen and I'll be talking with Alan Berliner about his film Letter to the Editor, selected for the Master's program at ITFA 2019. Alan, welcome to ITFA, welcome to My Amsterdam. My pleasure to be here, thank you for having me. Letter to the Editor, as a journalist I have to ask you, did you ever write one? I've never written a letter to the editor. I like to read them, but I've never actually written one. Although um, my grandfather, my mother's father, has written over the years, never got published, but has written many letters, not only to the editor, but letters to presidents of the United States. <laughs> so there's a little bit of that kind of political engagement uh, in my family history. Could you say that your film that we're going to talk about now is in a way a letter to an editor or to the, letter, to the editor of the New York Times? Or? I, I see the film as a, a letter to the editor in a very general sense. It's a letter, because letters to the editor are not only written to the newspaper at the address, but they're also written to, to the readers, they're written to the public. So my letter to the editor, um, which is, I, I chose the title of the film as an idiomatic expression that's true to journalism, that's part of the journalistic vocab journalist, journalism's voc vocabulary. But um, it's a letter written to the future, people who might see the film. It's a letter written to people in the current day who are reading the film. To some extent, it has a little bit, for me, of a little bit of a letter that a younger person, a younger part of me, has written to the older part of me, you know? Um, but it's, it's a, a declaration, it's a bit of a complaint, it's a bit of the state of things. I mean, I, I, intended, it to, I intended it to be a multi-leveled um, letter, but again, not literal, although I do speak in the film, it's an essay film, but um, you know, it's a, because it's a film, it's a pictorial letter. It's a letter told with images as much as anything else. And now maybe we have to talk a little bit about what kind of images, because when you think about film, usually we think about moving images, yeah. and those images move in another way. Yeah. But tell me, what kind of images do you use in the film? Well, the entire film is composed of newspaper photographs, paper. Every image in the film uh, is derived from a printed copy, uh, a daily printed edition of the New York Times. Uh, if it wasn't in the New York Times, it wasn't in the paper edition of the New York Times, it's not in the film. And that means that every photograph has, if they were there, uh, creases, uh, uh, folds, uh, stains, uh, misprints, what have you, print through that comes from the page behind it. Um, but it's, the film is uh, composed of paper photographs. And um, I have to admit, when I first started the film, I was, you know, slightly incredulous. Could I actually make a film composed entirely of newspaper photographs? Would that be interesting? Or how could I make it interesting? And that was part of my challenge. And those newspaper photographs come from your archive and you started to yeah. collect them or cut I them out? I started in 1980 and, uh, you know, it was, uh, the way that I like to describe it is it started out as a, a hunch <laughs> that became a vague idea 
that became a process, that became a routine, that became a ritual. Eventually it became a project, you know. And uh, I won't take you through, there are many, many more stages, but it became a, a kind of uh, obsession. And then became, over time, became a kind of um, challenge to me as an artist. What is the role of an artist? What is my responsibility as an artist? And particularly in this political moment, about what to do with these photographs and what to do with their impact on me and, and, and trying to understand how they function as codes in the world. And um, so it drew, it, it drew every, it took everything I had to both tell the story, to make a film that was timeless in a way, because it's about the news and it's about journalism, it's about history, time passing, you know, but I also wanted to make it timely, you know, I wanted to make it of this moment, you know, I wanted to make it of uh, the world that I live in, New York City, United States, but I also wanted to make it about the world you live in, the world we live in, I should say, regardless of where you live. So I was, I'm always trying to negotiate and navigate through um, these kind of, not necessarily dichotomies, but these these different realities that, that coincide and that connect and bring us together. Can we pick up a little bit on this idea of making the film timely in a time where newspapers are, are under threat and the, the news or the objectivity or at least the kind of the objectified nature of news is also under threat yeah. um, because there's also some clues uh, to that in the film. So. Yeah. I mean, we're, I'm making the film in a time when um, the, just this expression, fake news, was not even something that would, I would have uh, ever even heard of. <laughs> you know, no one considered it, that that would become part and an inescapable part of the conversation. You know, had I made the film five, ten years ago, what have you, there would be uh, siren, see, that's news, something's happening now, that's news. For someone, um, siren's an important part of my film. It's a big sound. Um, where was I? Uh, you know, uh, if I had made the film years ago, there'd be a section, as there is, on good news and a section on bad news. But now it's inescapable. There's good news, there's bad news, and then there's this fake news which has entered the conversation, and it's not likely to go away because things have changed and formulations and... Uh, Attitudes have uh, what's word fortified are fortified, and people now believe, or don't I should say, people don't no longer trust the the sources of the news they get and the news they get from those sources on different part of uh, what called partisan divide. Yeah. You know, so that's uh, in the moment I'm making this film. Uh, this is this is what's in the air. Freedom of the press is 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 under attack. You know, and, it, and of course, the New York Times uh, is, in particular in relation to the United States, uh, the president of the United States is attacking specifically the New York Times. I mean, he attacks many other news outlets as well, but the New York Times is one of his favorite <laughs> organizations, uh, institutions, media institutions to attack. So that became another kind of imperative for me to address in the film. So what do you, can I say, 
found out about the creation of news or something that is newsworthy through collecting, organizing, and then reassembling these, these photographs. Is there something in a, in a photograph that makes it newsworthy or prone to attack? Well, it's a, that's a big, big question, and it's almost like asking me to like, you know, synthesize one precise meaning to my film. And I'd like to think my film operates on many levels. So forgive me for uh, for the for deflecting for a moment. I, but I think that um, my film calls into question um, this this issue of trust. And, uh, you know, I, I see that um, photography is, and photojournalism is, something that we can, for the most part, rely on. It is our connection uh, to historical memory, and it is something that we all rely on a lot. Studies have shown that, for instance, when it comes to historical events, people are much more likely to remember a photograph that they're shown rather than a video that they're shown of the same thing. So photography is key, you know, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm struck by the, 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 the problem that we all face, which is a, a, a crisis of trust, who to trust, and um, both in terms of where news is coming from, the source of news, because news sources now can use mastheads, can use headlines, that are graphically similar to news, to news sources that we have learned to trust over the years. Uh, and even if they're different, if they can look professional, they're believable. And there is this question that uh, false news, fake news, have, uh, fake news, so to speak, can be injected into the nervous system of our culture, into the news, and it can, doesn't have to be true, but it can go viral or it can just stay there um, and poison people's lives, poison policies, poison relationships between countries, poison <laughs> our lives. And if I can quote from a, f a line from my film, before the facts have a chance to catch up. You know? So that's an inherent crisis that we all face all over the world. And so I, I wanted to think that my film I like to think that my film can address that, is, is addressing that, I should say. This is also being addressed very much in the, in the voiceover or in, in that essayistic part of the, um, of the film. Um, when did you start to work on the voiceover? Because the film also addresses many other, say, themes or categories yeah. that have to do with these photographs. Well. Uh, this is a chicken and egg question, and there is no answer to the chicken and the egg question. I can only say that my film is, uh, as someone who has made collage films basically his whole life, um, this is the most collage of all the films. And what I mean by that is, um, I'm someone, to the extent that I love paper, an unabashed lover of paper, um, I, whenever I get an idea, whatever that means, an idea could be a thought of something to say in the film, 
a synthesis of some ideas or a reflection on something I might read in the news or something I might think upon reading an article or seeing a photograph or what have you. Or it could just be a sound that suddenly, like the siren that just went by, gee, that's an important sound, a new sound. Or it could just be um, a relationship between two pictures that I never thought of before that might have a meaning. Or an idea about a, about a, um, a category of pictures that I think might juxtapose with another. All my point is that whenever I get an idea, I write it down. And so there's no order to the ideas. They don't come sequentially. They don't come in any logical order. They just, and I just write them all down. And sometimes I let like a week go by and I have the joy, because it really is fun, to see a whole stack of papers, you know, or sheets of paper with like, you know, 10 little jottings down of things, depending, you know. And half the time I don't even remember what I wrote. In fact, I don't remember. And sometimes I don't even, I can't read my handwriting because I wrote it in the middle of, a ni- in the middle of the night on a pad next to my bed, or I woke it up, I wrote it when I woke up in the morning, or who knows when. But um, these ideas then get processed. They get rewritten, and if they're good, then they get enacted in the film. And then the next week, there might be ideas that come to me about that idea that I had the week before to make it better, or to delete it from the film, it's not working anymore, whatever it is. So it's a constant collages, um, both joy and dilemma, because ideas and solutions and problems and solutions and all of the all of the various moving parts around and 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 uh, thinking new thoughts, all of that are all coming all at once in no order and in no priority, and one thing leads to the next. And of course, new photographs are coming in every day in the newspaper, which are influencing the process. And then the the further the film goes along, suddenly photographs that I I cut out, you know, a month ago or a year ago or yesterday, take on new meaning. So I not only have to deal with what I have, I have to bring them back in. Every time, without fail, you know, that I would go through, look through, sometimes I take like a week or two and do nothing else but look through because there are a lot of photographs. Look through and I'm saying to myself, how could I let that go? How come I didn't pull that? How come I didn't cut, you know, how come I didn't put that in the computer? How you know, and then I realized the context is always changing, the process is always evolving, and so that's normal. There's but that be... also means that the film like this is never finished, which is the big frustration of archive, yeah. of course. So yeah. at what point, or was there just a deadline, but at what point well, did you think, okay, this is it for now? Well, 1980 to uh, 2019 was a nice 40-year parenthesis. Anniversary, yeah. yeah. It had a nice round, even round number. That sounds like fireworks. I think there's already fireworks. Right. And that's another sound going in my film. On. That's yeah. another sound in, in, sound in your in your film. Um, and um, well, maybe that's also a very nice sound to uh, to end our little talk right now and okay. encourage people to to light some fireworks for the newspaper industry. You got it. Thank you, Alan, for being with Thank us. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the ITFAT 2019 podcast. 
please rate, review and subscribe to other episodes in the podcast app of your choice.